What's up, everybody? Anthony Cazenza here with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Coming at you with an impromptu episode. I literally just walked back into my house from Las Vegas. In case you did not know, I was at the NFL Draft for night one. Got some coverage there. Was in the media room, which was a really cool experience. And up the day leading up to it, Wednesday, got to meet and talk to a bunch of really cool people Talking Daniel Jeremiah, Trey Wingo, Joel Klatt, David Shaw, all kinds of folks. So here we are, night two. It's just kicked off, so I'm not going to interrupt that programming too much here with uh, with overlapping coverage. But I wanted to talk because of travel and whatnot. I could not get to a reaction last night or this morning. So I wanted to get one at the Daxton Hill pick for the Bengals late last night. And then, of course, tee up a little bit as to what's going on. Tonight, Now, some interesting names before we get to Daxon Hill, some interesting names are still available in round two. You're talking about N'Kobe Dean. You're talking about Tyler Linderbaum. Not Tyler Linderbaum, excuse me. He went to the Ravens. Um, You're talking about uh, Logan Hall and others that, uh, you know, Tyler Gordon, the defensive back out of Washington. Those guys are available. I don't know that the Bengals would double dip necessarily at cornerback or defensive back in these first two rounds, but if they have Gordon at the top of there and Andrew Booth, a guy that they were interested in as well. Um, Tampa Bay is currently on the clock. We'll see exactly what happens here. But you got David Ajabo, the the outside linebacker slash edge rusher. You got Matt Coral, Christian Watson. I mean, a lot of a lot of names. There was a big run on wide receivers last night. A big run on offensive tackle last night. Uh, and then you've got you know some other other players and other positions. Edge rusher was a hot commodity last night as well. So a lot of guys are coming off the board here, but some good ones. The local kid, Desmond Ritter, uh, he's he's still available, so we'll see what happens there. We know the Steelers took the only quarterback last night in Kenny Pickett, the only quarterback of the first round, so Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, those guys are still available. Um, and so Tampa Bay is on the clock. They've got a couple minutes left, and we'll see where they go here. But I wanted to get with you, talk talk about what happened last night. It's really, in the grand scheme of things, a really mild night for the Cincinnati Bengals as compared to everything else that transpired last night. AJ Brown being dealt away in a trade and, you know, all kinds of player, you know, pick moves and all kinds of different things that transpired last night. It was a pretty wild first round and just kind of compounded on the really wild off season, right? The really wild off season that has been the 22 NFL off season. So um, look, let's talk Daxton Hill. Okay. First of all, let's, I'll share some of this here. Um, I also am going to share some audio, some clips. I, I have them separated in different videos on our YouTube channel. They have not made it to the audio side yet. So got to get you, you got to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We will try and get some of these clips here uh, and and put them in this, uh, in the audio version of this episode here. That'll go up a little bit later, but uh, talk to Trey Wingo, talk to Joel Klatt, talk to David Shaw, talk to Daniel Jeremiah, um, talk to Kyler Gordon out there in Las Vegas, as well as George Karloftis, who went one pick before the Bengals win. It would have been interesting to see if that's who they would have gone with had he not gone uh, to the to the Chiefs one pick in front of them. So, uh, look, we, we kind of knew that the, the Cincinnati Bengals were going to go defensive back pretty early. And I'll play you some of the clips here. I mean, they're, you could, they're not really outdated at this point because they're still – you know, uh, six more rounds to go here, but they were talking about early picks for the Bengals in these clips that I'm going to play for you. But here's uh, sportsillustrated.com. 
they gave the Bengals a B. Cincinnati Bengals, Daxton Hill. They called him a linebacker, which I, you know, I don't know what, why they're doing that. But although he's built more like a cornerback, Hill is a physical and willing is physical and willing to throw his body around as a tackler. He showed off his elite athleticism by running a 4-3-8 40-yard dash at the combine and ranked second among all combine participants in the three cone, the 20-yard shuttle. The Bengals will appreciate his versatility as he can play anywhere on the back end. Hill was the top-ranked prospect available, 23rd overall on my board. So they they had good value there. They gave him a solid B from Sports Illustrated. I'm only going to share a couple of these. This is now the next one I'm going to show you is from NFL.com. And Logan Hall, unfortunately, the interior defensive lineman from Houston, as we are taking the air, Logan Hall just went off the board to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the 33rd pick. So a guy that a lot of Bengals fans and a lot of pundits uh, pundits thought, and you'll hear from Jeremiah and others uh, when I play those in just a little bit here, um, they, they thought that that could have been a good, uh, a good player potentially for someone in the AFC North. The Vikings are now on the clock at 34th overall. So Logan Hall, no longer an option for the Cincinnati Bengals. That was fast. Here we go. Uh, this is the snap, uh, day one's quick snap grades from Chad Reuter. And if you follow me on Twitter at CJ Anthony CUI, you would have seen that I snapshotted this, but here you go. He gave that this in an A, uh, a straight A, Michigan defensive back, Daxton Hill, number 31 overall. Hill can play anywhere in the secondary, says Reuter. If Jesse Bates, who received the franchise tag this offseason, eventually moves on as a free agent, Hill could end up filling the void at safety full time with the Ravens taking Tyler Linderbaum, uh, which I misspoke about earlier, so I apologize again, um, who would have been a nice fit in Cincinnati. Off the board, six pick or six picks earlier. Hill was a sensible pick, so I think a lot of people. Also, you'll hear from Jeremiah talking about Linderbaum and the Bengals from a couple days ago here. Um, so you know, the, uh, people are liking this pick. Some fans were a little bit up in arms in terms of you know why did they why did they get this player? They could have maybe got a pass rusher or something, someone like that to help them out more immediately. Maybe a Logan Hall would have made a lot of sense because of the void left from Larry Ogunjobi, um, you know, kind of rotating this. Look, here's the deal. All right. There, the Bengals have a, a kind of an issue at safety right now. And, and in the defense, in the secondary in general, they're, they're lacking another, you know, I mean, they, they've re-signed Eli Apple, but um, you know, the, the Trey Waynes thing didn't work out. So now you've got Shadobi Awuzie and you've got Eli Apple as your starting corners. Um, you know, you've, you've still got your slot corner in place and whatnot, but, in Mike Hilton, but here's, here's the deal. Daxton Hill is a versatile guy. He is a guy that can do multiple different things in the defensive backfield for the Bengals. We know the Bengals. We know Lou Anarumo likes defensive backs who can tackle and are willing tacklers. That's why he liked Wuzier. That's why they liked Trey Waynes. And that's why they liked Daxton Hill. So I, that's one thing that makes a lot of sense for him. Here's the other thing that a lot of people aren't really talking about or maybe they have been, and I've just been on the road. I don't know. But you look at the safety position. Yes, we know that the back and forth about Jesse Bates and the contracts fluidity situation there. I mean, we, we know that, okay? You got Von Bell also entering a contract year. You've got Brandon Wilson, uh, who's, you know, it, there's that that situation as a backup safety uh, is a little bit in flux. And then you had Ricardo Allen who came in and he retired. And that was a guy that Lou Anarumo had ties with all the way back in college. Um, so, you know, that Allen was the player that I think now Hill's going to come in 
and be that guy. Uh, he's going to have more snaps. He's going to play a, a more prominent role than Allen did. And he's going to be a higher quality player than Allen. No offense to Allen, but this is a first round player here that we're talking about and a much younger one. Um, so I think that Hill is going to step in and fill that um, fill that right now. Here's an interesting situation. Packers look like they traded up and they traded within the division um, to, with the Vikings, I believe, if I uh, have been paying attention correctly. So that's interesting. Aaron Jones is making the announcement wearing a Packers sombrero, which is kind of cool. Uh, Christian Watson, they get Aaron Rodgers, some wide receiver help. That is the pick for the Green Bay Packers there at number 34 overall after moving in there. So uh, another wide receiver is off the board. Now, Daxton Hill back to him. A versatile piece. He's not going to be called on to be this, this starting corner or this starting safety today, you know, this summer, what have you. He's going to be kind of a role player initially, I would assume. And then he's going to move into, you know, uh, potentially a, a higher profile role as some of these contract situations do or don't work out. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see exactly how they use him. I envision him in that Ricardo Allen role initially, which is, if you remember, Ricardo Allen was a safety by trade, also played some slot corner, wasn't the biggest guy, much like Daxton Hill, but a very versatile guy, a guy they liked in some of those shorter areas of the field, the middle of the field, and you can kind of move him around and you can kind of let him uh, play a little jazz, if you will, uh, with with some of these guys, So uh, with, with a guy like Hill. So that's, I think, what is appealing. We know Luan Aruma likes to mix certain looks up and what he's trying to do on defense. So this is, the, you know, it wasn't maybe the name that a lot of people were talking, you know, there's a handful of names that everybody was kind of talking about, whether it was Linderbaum, whether it was Logan Hall or, you know, a bunch of others, it wasn't that name that was brought up all that often, but he's a guy I think can bring value maybe on a somewhat limited basis early on, but then down the road, I think the guy that you can do a lot of different things with in the defensive backfield. And so hopefully, you know, I, I think, I, I hope as you learn more about this young man and you learn more about, what you know how how Lou Anarumo is going to situate his defense I I think you'll see and you'll connect the dots there as to why this pick was made how it's going to work and um, you know I'm not I'm not over promising and under delivering in terms of this guy's going to be a star uh, you hope that and, and there's a lot of qualities there the tackling the the tenacity the speed and the versatility there's a lot of a lot of things to like there I do think some teams were like well, where do we play him right is he our, our slot corner is he a boundary guy is he going to be a you know, a safety in the, in the NFL. And, you know, the Bengals may, may have an immediate plan for the, for that uh, immediate long-term plan for that, or they may just say, Hey, let's just try him in a couple different spots and see where he fits. Um, and, and just a movable piece in the defense. So I, I think, uh, I, I think that's going to be something that uh, will, the Bengals will really look forward to in terms of having Daxton Hill here. The Titans pick is in at number 35 overall. So we're going to, uh, I think, is that, is that Billy White shoes Johnson? Uh, announcing the pick. I don't know. Uh, could be wrong about that, but I have it on mute, so I, I can't. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Titans are, are picking and they have selected, uh, let's see who it is. It is Roger McCreary, another cornerback out of Auburn, a guy that was somewhat connected to the Bengals a little bit in the discussion there. So that being said, let's Let's talk about who. Well, actually, I'm going to play you some of these clips that uh, hopefully, if you haven't if you haven't caught those on our YouTube channel, you can go catch them in their entirety. I'm going to play you some of these clips. Some of them are a little short. Some of them are a little longer. Um, I've got Daniel Jeremiah a couple minutes there. Trey Wingo, which is about uh, ten or eleven minutes. I'll play that, 
And then, of course, Joel Klatt, which is about five minutes, and then David Shaw, which is also about five minutes. I'll play those for you here, and you can hear what they had to say before night one. If you didn't catch those on their own individual video streams here, I'll play some of those for you now. And then, of course, we'll talk about night two as things go on here. Cool. Uh, you uh, had just mentioned Baltimore Ravens. You got some ties to that division there, the AFC North. How do you see things shaking out early? A lot of defensive backs maybe going to the AFC North teams. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, well, Cleveland's got to wait, so they got to wait their right. turn. But, um, you know, Cincinnati, Cincinnati could go a couple different ways. When you, you look at what they've done on the offensive line, I, I know the carries can play center, obviously, but, man, if Linderbaum was there, that'd be tough to, to pass that one up. I also think you could look at edge rusher for them. Um, just as a way to kind of close out games. You know, I wouldn't sleep on Ojabo there. They love Big Ten players. He'll be healthy in time for the playoffs next year, so he could help you in that in that regard. And then, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, I think the quarterback thing's real. If the guy that they like is there at 20, I think they take him. Um, and then, uh, you know, with Baltimore, their roster's in pretty good shape, but usually if you just take the biggest dude, you'd be safe uh, going that way. Speaking of the the Bengals, obviously Super Bowl runner-ups, uh, what what should they be doing the, the first few rounds? I mean, they did a lot of work on the offensive line of free agency. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on that too, but uh, yeah. what do you think they should I mean, be doing? I mean, I'd look on the defensive side of the ball, corner is an area they can look, and I just think you can't have enough pass rushers. When you have an offense that's going to be explosive and put up points like they do, you can build your team accordingly, and uh, and that's how you you know you go out there and, and you get a pass rush to help you close out games and complement what you already have with with Trey Hendrickson. What do you think about some of your favorite interior defensive line, maybe three techs in this in this year's class, uh, maybe second round, third round? Yeah, I mean when you, you Devonte Wyatt's going to be fascinating to see where yeah. he goes. Um, he could go in the in the mid to late first. He could sneak into the second round. It's not a deep group of defensive tackles. So you know Logan Hall is is somebody that's kind of an ideal five technique and just kind of play on the edge um, and, and let him stack and, and hold the point of attack. But he's got some inside pass rushes, some of the best in the draft. So if you want an inside pass rusher in the second round, I think Logan Hall would be an interesting one. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Cool. Appreciate it. No problem. That's your time, DJ. Appreciate it. Take care. So that was Daniel Jeremiah. I caught up with him Wednesday afternoon, which was kind of a cool treat for me. Um, and obviously he, he, he kind of, even though he's kind of painting with broad strokes there, you you got some information from him that was pretty accurate. The biggest guy talking about the the Ravens and they go and they get Hamilton, the safety, who is a heck of a big guy for, for a safety. Uh, and then, you know, talk about defensive backs for the Bengals, Logan Hall, obviously he just went off the board here, but Logan Hall maybe as a target for the, for the Bengals. And then of course, you know, just talking pass rushers. And I think that's where we're going to start looking for, you know, maybe Ojabo is the guy, in the second round, if teams are scared off by his medicals, maybe the Bengals take a chance on him and they say, you know what, we're getting Joseph Osai back, we're getting Wyatt Hubert back, and Ojabo, even though he's not going to be available for a while, maybe if they are uh, in that playoff run yet again, they can get that extra juice at the end of the season in the pass rush, and maybe Ojabo makes some sense for him there. So that was um, that was Daniel Jeremiah talking about the AFC North and the Bengals there, which was kind of cool. We'll talk, uh, we'll, we'll queue up another one here, but again, pass rusher. And no one, interestingly enough, in terms of outside of the first round, no one really talked too much about tight end or other pass catchers for the Bengals. We'll see if that's on on tap here. No one went in the first round in, in tight ends here. So they, as of now, teams kind of have their pick of the litter there. Um, the Jets pick is in at 36. We'll see who that is. There's, there's uh, uh, Kyler Gordon, I believe, is still available, unless I missed that one. But I think he's still available. And then, of course, I, I mentioned Ojabo and others that are uh that are out there so um 
that is a little bit of what we can look for here. I'll give you some more stuff. This is David Shaw, the head coach of Stanford and who is doing some work as he always does this time of year on the NFL network. Great guy, incredibly intelligent and um, really, really sh just sharp and uh, very, very nice guy. So uh, can't, uh, can't say enough about him. Here's David Shaw, Stanford coach, who uh, we talked a few things here about the draft, the Bengals and the AFC North. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here with Coach Shaw, Stanford University, talking some NFL draft. Uh, how's, your, how's your week going? How's, how's the festivities out here? Oh, outstanding. First of all, I'm so excited that we finally do this on the West Coast instead of doing it on the East Coast. <laughs> uh, and I think Las Vegas has done it really, really well. The hosting is phenomenal. Everything's great. Well, I'm a West Coast guy, so I'm, I'm with you on that. The travel was a lot easier than it normally is, so I'm with you there. Uh, Pac-12 getting some good uh, representation, particularly potentially in the first round here. Uh, a couple guys from Washington and SC and whatnot. Uh, who are some of your – I know you've got a couple personal favorites in this class as well, some of your guys, but some of the guys we may hear called on Thursday night, uh, what, are you, what are you liking out of some of those guys, Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie, et cetera? Yeah, I think Trent McDuffie is just you – know, here again, Jim and I talk about – our time with the Baltimore Ravens, where Ozzy would say, hey, you know, put a red star on somebody. Like, that's the guy that you're saying is the player, is the person mm. that you're putting your reputation on. And uh, Daniel Pink Duffy, right? High character, high intelligence, great effort, um, good on the field, quick, explosive, gets his hands on deflections and interceptions, and is, is not shy in the running game. Like, the guy that you're going to pick him, and you're going to have him for eight to ten years because that's just kind of personal player that he is. Um, Kayvon is a generational athlete, explosive, physical, um, kind of knocked here and there. And I don't think it's personal from what most of the scouts. It's just when you compare him to a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who is 100 miles an hour every single play. If you're 100 miles an hour, three out of every four plays, that's going to be the difference between you and him. So uh, but I think Kayvon's phenomenal. I think Drake London is a, is a difference maker. Being a former receiver, a former receiver coach, so we saw the receivers. They have, we have two jobs: number one, change field position, and two, score points. And that's what Drake London does. Well, you mentioned an AFC North team just a minute ago, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I do a lot of work covering the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals in particular. Where do you see some of those teams going early in this in this draft with some of the players there and their needs? I think that's that's the crazy part about this draft. Talking to all of these guys after. It's even involved in pick one, like pick one and two. We're not sure. We think we know the top two guys. We just don't know what's completely where they're going. Even after that, we still don't know what's going on. Yeah. Right? You look at the AFC North, which okay, you can see you have these needs, et cetera. But there might be a team that doesn't need a pass rusher, but one of those great ones might fall in their lap. You better take them. I've never heard a GM say, ah, oh, we've got too many pass rushers. We're going to pass. <laughs> no, we got a guy to attack the other quarterback. Because the NFL rank starts with three things. You better have a quarterback, you better protect the quarterback, and you better get after the other team's quarterback. Yeah. So teams that don't need an edge rusher, you may sit in there in the top ten, and maybe one of the top three guys falls in your lap. 
okay, we, we kind of need an inside linebacker, but let's take this guy that sacks the quarterback. So that's why I think this whole thing is really unpredictable. Talking with Coach Shaw of Stanford University, spent a couple minutes. Uh, he's going to be also on the NFL Network this weekend, as he has been uh, doing some great draft coverage. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on some of the interior defensive lining. You've got one coming in this year's class as well uh, from Stanford. So, uh, we're some of your favorite guys again. I know you got a personal favorite there, but uh, some guys needed to, to look out for, maybe even beyond the first round, kind of those middle round players. Well, you know, that's probably where Thomas Booker is going to go. Big, athletic, physical. He's one of those guys that's over 300 pounds that ran fast in the 5 mm -hmm. 40, which doesn't make sense. Um, but he's quick and explosive and physical. And whether he goes rounds two or three or maybe slides into four, you're going to get a day one guy that's going to come in ready to play. Two-time academic All-American on top of on top of being a great football player. Um, going to add to your locker room, going to add to your, your community. Um, but outside of him, there's so many guys in this draft in the front seven totally multiple guys from Georgia, right? You got two interior defense linemen. You've got an edge rusher that may go number one or over two. They also have a good inside linebacker and a safety, right? So you're going to find great players in the mid rounds. Um, as far as interior defense alignment, anywhere in the first two rounds, you're going to have a chance to pick a starter. A lot of, last question for you. Uh, a lot of change up in the Pac-12, uh, both at USC and other places. You guys are always in the mix. Just how are you feeling right now before the, the 22 season is on the horizon. How are you feeling about all the, the changes and what's ahead for, for the conference and you guys uh, over at Stanford? Uh, yeah, I love where we are right now. I think we're very underrated. I think we're coming off a really difficult year with a lot of guys coming back, a lot of a lot of veteran presence, um, a lot of edge to our team right now as far as not being able to perform the way that we did, the way we wanted to last year. Um, but our conference is going to be insane. Um, you can make a case, a legitimate case out of the 12 teams that we Eight teams have a legitimate chance to win. Um, and you could even maybe even say 10 um, based on recruiting, based on coaches, etc. Um, so it's going to be wild. Every single week is going to be difficult. No one has gone undefeated in our conference in a long time, no matter how good you are. Everybody else is really good also. So um, it's going to be a tough battle all year. Awesome. Thanks. Looking forward to your coverage uh, this weekend. And thanks for everything. Appreciate it. Got it. So that was Stanford coach David Shaw talking with us a uh, day before the draft there. Really cool guy. And side note, um, he coached uh, my, one of my cousins who played in the NFL, Kyle Murphy, played with the Packers and stuff. And uh, we had a chat off the air a little bit about that. And he remembered my my cousin's mom's name, first name, and just from years and years ago. So just a really, really cool guy. Can't can't say enough about David Shaw and, um, you know, the job he's done at Stanford and just how – how smart of a guy he is um, in terms of football and all kinds of different things. Great guy. So uh, enjoyed that conversation here. A couple of uh, different things have happened here. You had Jalen Petrie come off the board, kind of a bigger, almost a, a little bit of a version of, of Daxton Hill, a bigger version of him where you can move him around and do a couple of different things there. Instead of kind of corner safety, there's talk maybe safety linebacker with Petrie. Um, so we'll see exactly how he gets used. Uh, I think it was the Texans that took him. I'll have to double check that. Uh, and then the Falcons pick is in. Nicobe Dean is still on the board. Sky Moore is still on the board. Matt Coral still on the board. Um, so th there are a lot of, and then of course, Desmond Ritter, and you've got a couple of other defensive backs and Andrew Booth and um, uh, Ky Kyler Gordon, as I mentioned, Alec Pierce, wide receiver. Uh, those are, that's another wide receiver out there to keep an eye on. So, um, you know what, I'm going to, I'm, I'll save the 
Well, I'll, I'll play both for you. I'll play both for you. This is Joel Klatt. We had a conversation with him Wednesday morning. Um, it, it, really cool, cool kind of situation. He was in a, a, a pool cabana, as were the other uh, the other guys at, at Caesar's Palace. So it was kind of cool. We got to sit down and just uh, hang and talk with him. Here's Joel Klatt, um, Fox Sports analyst, doing some work also for the NFL Network. Another guy, really, really brilliant mind. And when you saw it, when I sat down with him, kind of a cool story. He's got his own little journal of notes that he's got detailed notes on all kinds of different players. And he also has his laptop with a bunch of different, a uh, bunch of different notes as well. So here's Joel Klatt talking about the Bengals, talking about uh, the AFC North and, and other positions in this class. And you'll hear a consensus too about how the pass rushing group and, and others are, seem to be kind of the strengths of this class. I think that the two strongest position groups are edge rusher and wide receiver in the draft. Um, there's some excellent edge rushers, and and some of these guys have been pushed down the list to where they're going to be second and third round picks, and in any other year they'd be top of the second round or maybe even pushing into that late in the first round. Um, let me just give you some example of, of names out there. David Jabo after his injury, you know he's going to have great value. Arnold Ebicady from Penn State, Logan Hall from Houston, uh, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, Kingsley. Um, uh, in Nagbari, I, I screw that name up all the time. South Carolina, Drake Jackson, USC, Nick Benito, Oklahoma. Oh, really good players. Um, and so that's and that's just that's past all the top five guys. So edge rusher is really good. I think wide receiver is also really good. The best part about the wide receiver draft, at least in my estimation, is the eclectic nature of the style of play that they've been given. You've got guys that are smooth. You got the speedsters in the slot. You got big receivers like Drake London. So you know those two position groups are the ones that. that um, what's been interesting to me is is the amount of kids that have come out of college and because of the pandemic have you know fallen through the cracks. I think it, for a lack of a better term, primarily because in particular in the off season in which there wasn't a lot of off season workouts in the NFL relied more on known commodities, so there weren't, weren't as many, I would say, openings for young players. I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but this is a, a fascinating draft, and the depth of this draft is, is 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 there because there's so many kids. Remember, we've got a bunch of guys in here that took an extra year for COVID. So you've got this, it's basically three years worth of guys shoved into one draft, and that means that a lot of them what about uh, cornerbacks in this year's yeah. class, especially ones that may go towards the middle and the back end of the first round? Yeah. Talking Tyler Gordon, Andrew Booth, yeah. your thoughts on those guys, maybe as they fit with the AFC North, a lot of teams are needing some cornerbacks in that division. They, they are. Uh, I'm trying to just think right now about some of the AFC North. I will tell you that you know McDuffie might not fit in that. I mean, he might go a little bit higher, but you've got Booth, Gordon, Elam. Those are all really good players. I think Booth is interesting because he's been – he's such a good athlete going all the way back. He was a five-star recruit, as you know. Um, I'm interested to see how his squad issue is going to um, affect him going into the offseason. And if you're a man team, that's where he's going to be best. So, so much of corner is like fit, scheme fit. Whereas, like, McDuffie, I think, can play both. I think Booth needs to be in more of a man scheme because that's where he excels. Uh, Gordon – did you know Gordon was a competitive dancer as a kid? I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> I love this, right? So, he, and he was really good. He was really, really good. Um, played basketball, ran track, all that stuff. 
he was only a one-year starter, and it was in his fourth season. And and to me, that's always I don't want to call it a red flag, but I'm always like, well, why you know why didn't he get on the field a little bit sooner? Um, I think Booth is probably a little bit better than Gordon, and then Elam is a guy that has the bloodlines. You know, his dad played. He was a, a freshman, all SEC as a freshman in 2019. Led Florida and PBUs and INTs for you know a bunch of years. So I, I just like him. He's got good length. He's six two, two hundred pounds. He's got good speed. Probably faster than he is quick. Uh, but I do know that he was a really good worker off the field as well. Yeah. If, if you are the Cincinnati Bengals, you just came up short yes. of a Super Bowl win, surprising run in in twenty one here. How would you, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, look to attack this weekend? Um, you know, they have needs a corner, interior defensive line, but you know, might you want to still get some extra help either weapon-wise, offensive line-wise, early on for Joe Burrow, even with the free agency acquisition? I like them going corner, which is what we were just talking about. Right. And I, in my book, I have Elon there as the guy that I like for them. Yeah, he ran sub 4-4, he's 6-2. Like, that doesn't come along. And and he's not a prima donna. Like, when you talk with people around Florida, they really like his work ethic. Um, I like Booth, but I don't think Booth will be available to them, to be honest with you. Hmm. So I think that a guy like, like Elam could be there. I really like Elam. Thanks. That, that does. That does. Awesome. Thank you so much for the time. So that was Joel Clapp, uh, top-notch guy. And some of that interview could also be heard on some local Las Vegas radio stations as well. Uh, my boy Adrian there um, was was also pitching in on some questions. And we'll sit down with a real intimate sit down with Joel Clapp. It was pretty cool. So um, bears are up right now uh interesting to see where they're gonna go travis jones and perry and winfrey are still two interior defensive linemen that are on the board um so the you know you'll, we'll have to see what happens there you heard clat talk about kair elam who obviously went to the bills moved up and grabbed him uh a guy it would have been interesting to see if he was there if the Bengals had the choice of hill elam booth etc if they still would have gone the way that they did and take Hill there, that movable piece, as opposed to Elam, the tall corner with a lot of speed, a lot of tools, had the dip in production last year as a junior, had a really solid sophomore season, um, and then, you know, had the dip in production and got, I think, you know, real, had a lot of penalties and there's, unfortunately, you know, and and Drake Kirkpatrick had a good, you know, a pretty decent NFL career, I guess, with, with the Bengals. It wasn't, you know, necessarily first round worthy, I guess, overall, but he had some nice moments with the team, but there was also the penalty issues and all of that. And, you know, when you hear that and the length and all of that, um, that goes with Elam there. And so there's Kyler Gordon. He is off the board now to the Chicago Bears. He is drafted. I think he was one of, if not the last guy in the uh, the draft green room there. So happy to see him finally hear his name called. I had a chance to speak with him as well as George Karloftis at, and those videos are up on the YouTube channel as well. So you can catch those had to happen to speak to both of those guys at a rookie event uh, the day before the draft too. And um, both are really, really friendly, nice guys. So good to see him get drafted athletic kid out of Washington, going to the bears at number 39 overall. Um, I want to uh, 
show you guys this. This is on Cincy Jungle here. Um, and I want you to, I want to encourage you here as to um, as to going to that site and watching some of the cool videos of Daxton Hill being drafted and whatnot. So you can go there. Unfortunately, I, I, I was there and I was, you know, I had the ability to, to go in some press conferences and whatnot as the players were being drafted, which was kind of cool. But uh, unfortunately, Hill was not present at the draft, so he was not able to be uh, on site, be interviewed by by those uh, in the press conference. Otherwise, I would have had that for you. But um, here is uh, some – I want to show you this. We had a question in the chats here about where the Bengals pick as of now. And, again, this is as we're just at the start of the second round here. Here you go. Here's the draft. Obviously, you got Daxon Hill, who was their thir- the 31st pick. The second – Bengals currently hold basically uh, – overall almost <laughs> a pick per round here they do have the two seven rounders so you've got the 31st pick in, in which they use down daxton hill you have the second in second round they have the 63rd pick um so they are 23 picks away right now seattle's on the clock at the 40th pick um they, in the third round they have the 95th pick fourth round they have the 136th pick fifth round 174th pick sixth round 209th pick and then two in the seventh round 226 and 252 are what they have there um, at the back end of the seventh there. So, again, 63rd, 95th, 136, 174, 209, 226, and 252 on the draft tracker there. And uh, I will I will pin this in the live chat so you can go there. Go also to Cincy Jungle. Check out the analysis and check out what we, uh, what we said about the pick and check out the videos of Daxon Hill being drafted and other analysis. And we'll have all that kind of stuff up for you on Cincy Jungle. We'll have more reactions on this podcast, etc. I'm going to play you one more clip. This was kind of a fun one. Uh, I got to sit down with, you know, a, a guy I kind of feel is a legend in the in the broadcasting, sports broadcasting business in Trey Wingo, longtime ESPN guy. Now he is with Caesar Sportsbook along with Kenny Main and many others, Caesar Sportsbook. Um, my guy Brad there, I met him Wednesday morning and he said, Hey, I've got this opportunity where you can sit and hang out and talk with Trey Wingo. Would you want to do it? I said, hell yeah, I want to do that. So, uh, this was, this was a a pretty cool clip that you could see. He's highly entertaining. I actually ended up seeing him later in the evening as well at one of the the hotels there, which, and we kind of caught up again a little bit there. So pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Um, I'm going to play this one. It's about 10 minutes. Um, it is about bets and different things. A lot of it, you know, some of the bets and, and the draft talk centered around round one. We did get to some Bengals talk, a highly entertaining interview, though, I think, uh, and not because of me. It was because of Trey Wingo being very entertaining. So I'm going to play that for you uh, quickly again, and then I'll be back to talk with you more uh, about the draft, and then we will close up shop here. I was going to say this was a brief episode, but I'm playing all these different clips. I wanted to make sure you had those in your arsenal to be able to, to listen, digest, etc. So I'm going to play you this one again. This is uh, this is Trey Wingo, now with Caesar Sportsbook, formerly of ESPN. Great guy. We had a great chat, and uh, I hope you enjoy this too. This is going to be about 10 or so minutes, and then uh, we'll be back as the draft keeps rolling on here. All right. Anthony Mazzetti here from the Caesar Sportsbook with one of the most iconic names, faces, voices, especially this time of year, Mr. Trey Wingo. Trey, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for that introduction. I don't know if any of that's true, but I appreciate it. Oh, I think it's true. I know
Uh, before we kind of get into some, some betting things, things with the draft, and, and maybe my Cincinnati Bengals and it, and it more. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about what you got, what you're doing today. You're the CEO of Trends here with the Chief Sports. Yeah, the official title is Chief Trends Officer, Brand Ambassador. Okay. Which is a fancy way of saying I'm going to talk about sports. That's <laughs> what it is. Uh, you know, I'm basically doing a lot of stuff that I did all the years at ESPN, just doing it at a different place with a lot of familiar faces. Kenny and I, Kenny and I are working together. Uh, it's it's really been great. So we're really looking forward to a, a long relationship. Well, you set us up nicely in the in the sports book and cave here. Yeah, with nice leather chairs, big screens. You're on the big screen there. I apologize. No, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things you're seeing going into the draft. Draft trends. Who's you know, a lot of people had Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson going yeah. number one overall. That may be in flux. If you ask some people, I don't know what, what are the lines saying here at Caesars. With, yeah, with well, number one. Overall. Well, that line has changed. It seems it was Aiden Hutchinson, and now it's Trayvon Walker as a betting favorite. Although you know, who knows? This is such a weird draft on so many levels. It's only going to be the second draft in the last eight years where a quarterback doesn't win number one overall. It's only going to be the sixth time since 2006 quarterback doesn't win number one overall. Um, and we don't know who the first pick is. Like, there are very few drafts the day before the draft you do not know who the number one overall pick is. There's really a great deal of uncertainty. And I think, like, Thoughts and prayers to all the mock drafters. <laughs> it's going to be a carnage. It's going to be a blood. They're going to get three right. I mean, it's it's crazy. We right now, as we speak, we have eight teams with multiple first round picks. That's never happened. Most we've ever had actually used is six several times. We right now have eight teams that don't have a first round. That has never happened before as well. So this this draft is really weird on a bunch of different levels because there's no great quarterback. So if you have those multiple picks. Who are you going up to get? And does someone really want to do that? Or does everyone want to sort of trade back? Because it's a deep draft. Right. Because we've got two, two years of COVID football. So we had a lot of fifth and sixth year seniors. So it's a it's a really deep draft. It's just not a top pick. So what, is there an over and under set in terms of you talking about quarterbacks here? Is there an over and under set? Three in the first round. Okay. And, and where do you see that going? Well, well it's interesting because... A few days ago, the over/under for Money Pillis was nine and a half, mm-hmm. or, you know, nine or ten, and then Kenny Pickett was ten and a half, and Devin Roberts' value was thirty. And a half. Well, over the last two days, that shifted. Money Pillis is now twelve and a half. Kenny Pickett is now fourteen and a half. And Ritter still stays at thirty, which tells you they're getting the sense that there's a lot less action on those quarterbacks going up. We're going to see a run on uh, offensive linemen. Edge rushers and wide receivers early in this draft. Those are the difference makers in this draft. Where are you, are you seeing a run, you think, at quarterback later in the first round? Is yeah, Derek, well, Derek Stingley is, is fascinating. The kid out of LSU, he lit it up his freshman year on that championship. He was phenomenal. And then he had some injuries, and LSU wasn't as good, and he didn't play as well. So he literally could go three overall. Like, it's possible he'd go three to the Texans. Lovey Smith, we're hearing, loves him. But you're basing it on film from two years ago. And how healthy has he been and how concerned are you, especially with a foot injury? Right. You know, that's the basis of everything you do. How concerned are you that that thing that's been bothering him for two years is going to keep bothering him? Like, he has the best traits and skills of all the quarterbacks. With all apologies to Sauce Gardner, I understand. By the way, the full nickname for Sauce Gardner is A1 sauce sweet feet i did not know that. yeah he got it when he was six years old by his uh, aau coach i mean that's a classic that's that's yeah it's hard to roll off the tongue so sauce is probably better but a1 sauce sweet feet gardener 
That's Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, and then there's another player, Smoke, uh, yeah. in that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this guy from UNLV, they call him the Chuck Wagon. Right there, there you go. So you got Smoke, Chuck Wagon, and Sauce. <laughs> We're good. I like it. Got a base cover. Um, I kind of transitioned from that talk out of the draft. A lot of different things that have transpired. Craziest all season. I, I would agree with you. So, what, what are some of the biggest moves in terms of lines or over unders with certain teams, whether it's relatively ever? You know, a lot of different moves. What do you, what do you see in there? Well, the entire the AFC West is the only division where every team's win total is a because that's a little something there. You know, the Chargers went and got Warren Jason Jackson, one from Sessions in 2019, and Khalil Mack go opposite of Joey, uh, Joey Bosa. And then, you know, you have the Raiders trading for the Raiders and also getting Chandler Jones. So, but all of this goes on one thing that the Bengals figured out how to do be Patrick Holmes. Since he began the starting quarterback, for the Chiefs. Nobody in the NFL, in the history of the NFL, was thrown for more touchdown passes, more passing yards his first four seasons as a starter. The Chiefs have won the division six straight years, uh, two before Patrick got there, and the last four Patrick posted the AFC Championship. The AFC West is tired of losing to the Chiefs. So all of this movement really has been about trying to dethrone Kansas City, yet at Caesar Sportsbook, they still have the highest win total in that division at 10 and a half because. Until you show us you can beat them, we don't believe. So I'm a bit of a dope. Uh, last last year, I did not bet Cincinnati Bengals. I usually made a, a, a but I mean like that that wasn't a terrible idea at the time. I, I love Zach and I love Joe, but no one was saying September Bengal fever or right. Super Bowl. It right. just happened. Right. When in, looking in your crystal ball here, do you see a team like the Bengals this year in terms of someone that? They don't really have high expectations from the betting lines or just the pundits in general, but they may surprise some folks and either make it too cool or go far in the playoffs and you know, well, give us money. Miami's interesting, right? Um, they, they trade for Tyree Hill. They already had Jalen Watts. So arguably, they have the two fastest wide receivers. They have Mike Gusecki at tight end, always really a big soft receiver. Uh, they have Raheem Oster who came over that's going to run the the offense that Mike McDaniel is now head coach man, the way he ran it, he was the OC in the past year in San Francisco. But it's all on Tui Fangwello. Like, I think there's more pressure on Tui Fangwello this year than any player. Um, he has the worst uses. He made Wally Saint, he got Toronto Armstead from the Saints, for protection. Defense wasn't bad last year. So, so on you. Um, if he's good, Miami could be really interesting. But the AFC is just a murder. It is. Got Cincinnati. Kansas City, got Buffalo. You've got so many good teams. I mean, top tier teams in the AFC. The AFC is low. The NFC has won the last two Super Bowls. I think, in a large part, because the AFC beats the crap out of us. They really, really do. Yeah. My guy, Kevin here, holding the video here. He's a Bills guy. How do you see things shaking out with them in this packed AFC? I mean, like you said, Bengals are now there. Got Miami potentially on the rise, and then of course the Chiefs and the rest of the AFC West. I mean, to quote Josh Allen's tweet after that loss, uh, after the coin flip loss in uh, the AFC Championship, pain. <laughs> um, no, the Buffalo is—they got to prove they can beat them, right? Like I, until Buffalo shows me they can beat the Chiefs, and it's going to be a different Chiefs team this year without Tyreek Hill. But I think people are not understanding. How good the Chiefs are seeing for still is. I mean, Marcus Valdez-Scantling is fast and he's bigger. Uh, 
Nico Harvard is still there. He's a good receiver. They drafted him in 2019 because they thought they might lose Tyreek to small field stuff. And now he has a chance to shine. He's still a draft coach. And the sign to just They're going to probably get a wide receiver in the second round in the first round of the draft. The Chiefs aren't going anywhere. So it's up to Buffalo to find a way to freaking hammer it home. I mean, you know, if you squib the kick, you'd probably win that playoff. I know. This is killing you, and I'm sorry. He's, his hands are shaking now. But, you know, they, they have 11 seconds or 10 seconds if they pick it. So they got to beat him. Like, I, Buffalo should be the team to beat. But until I see them take them out in the playoffs, I'm not going to believe it. We know teams have a tough time getting back to the Super Bowl after losing it. Uh, just just quickly, I mean, what are your thoughts on the Bengals this coming season? They're a young team, young at critical spots, so you would think they're still ascending potentially, but, you know, that Super Bowl hangover tends to be a real thing. It is, but they did a great job this offseason. They had one glaring weakness, and that was the offensive. And they had shored that up with fighters. You know, Lale Collins, Karras comes over. And these guys are not just good and good. You know, and that's what you want. They didn't have enough nasty in that Super Bowl, and that's why Aaron Donald was able to win You make a very compelling argument that the best core of young talent in the NFL since he's not Joe Burrow, Jordan Chase, T. Higgins, and Joe Mason. I'm not sure right now as we speak there's a better core of offensive skill position players than those guys. All that being said, it was the flukiest Super Bowl I've ever seen. And I don't mean that to take anything away from them. But if you go back in every playoff game, you know, the Raiders were down close late and they didn't finish it. You know, Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw that interception. That he was down the wire and it's a 52 yarder for the rookie kicker. And then you get to the Super Bowl, which, I mean, the fantasy champion. The Chiefs were first and goal on the five yard line and they found a way to box that and only kick the field goal to sit in overtime. And then, of course, you know, down the stretch of the Super Bowl. Uh, they had the lead, and there were some questionable penalties. I get it, but that should have been a yeah, offensive pass interference on the team. Let's be honest about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a really weird run. They had the talent. I just don't know if you can count on those many things going right. Yeah, makes sense. Well, two years ago, the the NFL draft was at sea in Las Vegas. We know a couple of things happened to cause that to not be the case, but here it is now. At Caesars, Caesars is hosting it. Yep. Uh, we, we are here at Caesars Sportsbook. Uh, what does it mean just the draft in Vegas and Caesars, you being a part of Caesars and the hotel hosting it? Yeah, 53 days before the draft in 2020. We have it all set up. It's going to be here, and we have to shut it down. And the back behind-the-scenes crew did an amazing job to make that draft virtual a reality. It's one of the highlights of my career. Um, but the NFL, the, the NFL draft is the ultimate attraction. Nobody else would So, of course, it should be. Like, I would make the argument it should be in Vegas every year. We're going to have, I think, close to 750,000 people in town. We had 650,000 in Nashville in 2019. Uh, and, you know, Cleveland last year, the weather wasn't great. The crowds were okay. Uh, it's warm, it's sunny, it's Vegas, it's the ultimate reality television show. Like, you know, the U.S. Open now has anchor courses, Pinehurst. Pebble Beach, I think Oakland is one. We should make Vegas an anchor host for the event. Like every five years, we'll back to the bus. I love that. Let's make this happen. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Trey Wingo, Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, there's an app, correct? Caesar Sportsbook yes, app. Absolutely. What else? Anything else we should know about going on at the Sportsbook besides this push cool corner that we're hanging out in? Here? Listen, if you can't get in to see the draft outside, this Sportsbook here is the best place to see it. Uh, here's what I predict. 
I have no idea what's going on. And that's what makes the draft amazing. There you go. Three Wingo. You got this sports book. Thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, answering some questions and hanging out with us. Appreciate it. Hey. Hey. <laughs> So that was just a chat with Trey Wingo that I had there. That was just a little fun one for you here. Andrew Booth just comes off the board to the Minnesota Vikings, the Clemson cornerback in which the Bengals had shown some pre-draft interest. There's some other players coming off the board, a couple of edge rushers, I believe, but there are still a lot of other talented and familiar names in terms of uh, players potentially connected to the Bengals. Andrew Booth going 40, 42nd overall to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so they get an active physical corner. Uh, you know, there's there's some some people absolutely love this kid. Some people were lukewarm on him, but uh, you know, he's just he plays with a, a real passion. If you watch you're watching the highlight clips here, he just plays with a real passion for uh, for the game there. And sometimes it's a little wild. Sometimes it can be coined as a little reckless in terms of his play. But um, hey, he's uh, he's now a Viking, and uh, just shortly into the second round he's he's picked all right so we're gonna get out of here again the Bengals pick 63rd as it sits right now 95th 136 174 209 226 252 and uh, we'll be back to talk more about what they've uh what they've done on night two i'm anthony kazenza you can get this show and all the shows on the cincy jungle podcast channel on itunes stitcher spotify google Podcasts, iHeartRadio on the audio side make sure you subscribe to the cincy jungle podcast channel to do that uh, and then, of course, if you like what we do on the video side of things, go give a, a like to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page and or the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. We we had a couple. I I, I gave you some of those the the gems now that I uh, that I put up a couple of uh, a couple days ago and and yesterday before the draft. We we wanted to replay some of those for you again. Got a couple player interviews and whatnot as well. So. Uh, enjoy those and uh, give us a subscribe on the YouTube channel. And then of course, click the bell to be notified for when new content is available and when we are going live. I'm Anthony Cazenza from Cincy Jungle. Have fun. This is my favorite night of the draft night too. So I hope you all have some fun as well. We got six more rounds to go, essentially five and a half, I guess now at this point, Bengals will be coming up in just a, a little while here as it currently stands. So um, at any rate, we will uh, we'll see what happens as they go on. Look for pass rushers. Look for interior defensive linemen. Um, you know, and then maybe some pass catchers, tight ends, wide receivers for the Bengals over these next handful of rounds. We'll see how it all shakes out. Take care, and we'll be back with more. Keep it to CincyJungle.com for your news, opinions, analysis, videos, all kinds of stuff. Take care. <music>